Welcome to Split, the After Ever After podcast co-hosted by family law mediator Jennifer Sanders and certified divorce coach Ashley Wood. This podcast features other divorce professionals, Q&A, tips, and updated info on all things separation, divorce, conflict resolution, and co-parenting. Whether you're newly separated or divorced, listen now for tips and advice on how to build a foundation for a more peaceful future. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Split, the After Ever After podcast. You are listening in with myself, Ashley Wood. I'm a certified divorce coach and... And Jennifer Sanders. I'm an accredited family law mediator. So March break, here it is. <laughs> March break for me has meant that I worked double this weekend, got up at 6 a.m. to finish my work. But I think, yeah, I I, I definitely have a lighter week uh, planned work-wise to be able to spend some time with the kids. So, Well, good for you. That's nice. I'm not in the same boat uh, because she's just in daycare this week. Um, However, she was with her dad all last week for a a vacation week. So we did go through time change and transition day (laughs) all in one day, which was interesting. (laughs) I sent you a message because you had the best gift you posted about of like someone crossing themselves and praying Praying. like, please, Jesus, please pray for us. Okay, So how (laughs) was it? Was it manageable? Um, you know what? We did something new. So he lives almost three hours away. Um, and the timing can be tricky yeah. because if he attempts to do, do to do the drive after her nap, it's like she wakes up and then has to be in the car for that long. Yeah. But if he tries to hold off on the nap, then she can be a terror and potentially not fall asleep in the car. And then by the time she gets home, it's just like, disastrous so anyways um he did hold off the nap it's been a while I think since we did that I think she's old enough now um where she can handle it she slept for a bit and then yeah like I have to say last night we had some rough moments but overall (laughs) overall it was okay she was up early this morning which was fine because so was I like I find this time change really oh it's the worst f's with me yeah Yeah. terrible do you see the same for you well, yeah, I was dreading it. Like you, you lose an hour. Right. And, um, that's also another thing about me. I don't know if like other people are like this, but my whole life, like, I don't understand the time change. Like when someone tries to say like, well, now it feels like this. I'm like, I, my brain shuts down. I don't, (laughs) I don't understand it. And I will tell you, I've literally tried with a piece of paper to understand (laughs) like now what time does my body think it is? Like, I I can't do it. I just know that I'm tired when the clock in the spring, spring yeah. forward, right? Yes, I know. I know. Um, I am happy that the days have been feeling longer. You yeah. know, we are getting more sun. That is good. I've been trying to do my mental health walks and I've seen you I've seen the posts. Yep. Because it yeah. was either that or get one of those um, sun lamps and just yes. keep it on my desk. But I don't know. I, I, I haven't resorted to that yet. So I've been doing my, aggr- but it's like an aggressive walk. Like it's not a calming <laughs> walk just because of how I am. So I don't know if it's really helping me. <laughs> well, are you 
also, yeah, setting yourself like, I have to do this walk within like 12 minutes and I have to do faster than I did yesterday. It's like, yeah, <laughs> yeah it's like, well, it's a scramble. So I'm like, okay, I got to do this. And then the next thing, the next thing. So it's really, it's not right. been very peaceful, but whatever, just here we are day by day. Right, right. <laughs> this reminds me, there's an ongoing joke in my family that my sister uh, tried to do yoga years ago and she okay. kept on like messing up the poses. So she was like, swearing and like yelling while she was trying to do the yoga she's like cut it out you guys I'm trying to do my yoga poses and <laughs> we always fuck her about that like, uh, I don't think you're doing this right I don't think yeah. that's the way we do it yeah it's not very namaste-esque I don't yeah. think yeah <laughs> we're all doing our best we're all doing yes. our best Yes. So uh, speaking of stress yes <laughs> high conflict part high three conflict. yep and we're really looking forward to this one. I think mm -hmm. this one, it's going to be a banger. We've got some I love questions. Yeah, yeah, I love I love it when we do Q&A episodes because then it's real, mm -hmm. right? Of, of real life things that people are going through, which a lot of times we don't think about. Usually, um, I think there's trends and stuff that we wouldn't anticipate that a lot of questions would be about. Um, so I think it's, it's great to always see that. Um, so do you want me to go for, I'll just, I'll rhyme off one of the questions. Yeah, we haven't there. gone through these. So we're going to sort of like blind react and brainstorm some solutions, hopefully help people out. Okay. So this one says, um, and they're short, um, yeah. which is kind of, it can be a bit tricky because you can't do the whole backstory, but whatever. Um, so it says last minute cancellations, sometimes gone for six weeks at the drop of a hat. So okay. Do you, so you think that first? means, yeah, you think that means the parent then is completely away for six weeks? That's what I took it to mean. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I'm wondering, I mean, is this related to work? Is right. it, they're just ghosting what's happening. So we, we are missing some details, but we can just go off of even last minute cancellations because I have worked with clients where that is an issue. I think we're going to do a whole topic yeah on on, this, right? yeah so for me what comes up with that one consistency for kids is number one mm -hmm. so if it's a so first I always as a mediator you know try to see okay is it an actual pattern did it happen once like what you know sounds like this is a pattern um because sometimes parents will jump on it when there really was a good reason and yeah life happens um but we know that consistency is super important so I would default to like, it needs to be actually the least amount of parenting time that can be consistent. Mm -hmm. So if a parent is, so let's just say that parent had every other weekend and then they, they go AWOL for six weeks, you know, then they don't necessarily get to come back and just right. start up that new schedule right away. So I would say in that situation, um, you know, yes, getting some context, um, but then agreeing to what amount you can actually be consistent with. So if that six weeks, like you said, is a regular thing for work or something, then that's a bit different. We can anticipate that, let the kids know, work around it. Maybe there's FaceTime calls. I'm not sure in this day and age if people need to be AWOL for six weeks at a time or yeah. <laughs> where, what would cause that, but where are you going? We're in a pandemic. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, I think it comes down to consistency. And then in terms of, it sounds like, I think you've mentioned a lot of times you deal with a lot of, yeah, sort of no shows and that sort of thing that the parent needs to confirm ahead of time. 
So that could be a couple of days before, it could be the day before. And basically then you're not necessarily even telling the kids until it's confirmed. So the kids aren't expecting it until it's confirmed. Mm-hmm. And then once it's confirmed, you know, then you have that time. So if it's not confirmed, the time doesn't happen. And then consistently, if someone is offered parenting time and they don't confirm it and they don't take it, essentially that parenting time, they're going to forego that time. It's not going to continually be offered. Yeah. Um, and then in terms of high conflict, you could communicate pretty much all of that via email. I agree. It, right. Doesn't need to be a big discussion about it. Um, and those terms can be very clear, like, please confirm by this time on this day. You know, mm-hmm. and if it doesn't have, and, and it's good for both parties that there isn't the back and forth. Yeah. And I think if it's your first time approaching this, like it's been, let's say over the span of the last month or two months, there's been some consistent lates or no shows, then you can approach it in an email with what you mentioned or very early on focus on, you know, it's not me against you. It's us against the problem. And the the problem or the task at hand is to have consistency for the kids. So it doesn't need to be, you know, this is why I told you, uh, that you couldn't, you you couldn't, uh, consistently uphold, you know, a 50, 50 split here we are. We don't need to go into any of that because it's, it's not productive. Um, but just, you know, for the sake of the kids, da, 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 da. we've got, yeah, before, it can but. be very, yeah, very business-like and like we've said, our BIF, right. Brief, yeah. informative, friendly, and firm. And, and then yeah, stick to those, stick to those boundaries. We know that even in child protection, like, of course they're going to look at safety first, but consistency is the next thing. 100%. So even if the parent only has FaceTime calls, if they don't uphold those FaceTime calls, they don't get the privilege of the calls anymore. Like there needs to be consistency that the parent wants to be in the child's life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And this could be carried out through mediation as well. Right. I feel like we should say that you may, as long as the other party is willing to go and revisit Mm -hmm. and change your parenting plan or the stipulations, Mm -hmm. that might be an option, certainly a faster, more efficient and less expensive option. If the other party is willing to go. Yeah. Because if both parties in this situation, if it's shared parenting, then there could be a legal situation if the other person's trying to you know, take away time. So mm-hmm. absolutely. Yeah. If you were able to discuss it in mediation, if you unfortunately had to go the court action route, you would have sort of the documentation of saying, you know, parenting time has been offered for all of these months and it wasn't taken Yeah. Um, to change the parenting time. Yeah. And again, I think that just goes back to just the importance of having your, your emails and everything okay. that be part of your documentation. So Yeah. If it's all conversations, it's your word against theirs. So yeah. Yeah. Okay. So second one, um, there were a few like this. So partner's ex is very high conflict. He usually gives into what she wants just to avoid fights. And then there were some others that were variations of the same thing. So this is from the new partner. The step parent is saying, what do I do? I feel like I know in certain situations 
there is, it's hard to avoid contact or interaction. Um, like if it's a pickup or drop off thing and you're now living together and you're married and you're going to be helping out, Mm -hmm. that's one thing. But I think generally for the most part, communication for this exact reason should be between the biological parents. And if you are experiencing And if this is causing an issue in your relationship and how you feel, then I think that needs to be a conversation between you and your partner. And you need to have your own boundaries and communicate, you know, what you're feeling and what you're experiencing and what your threshold is for engaging in this negative behavior. I think that's, you know, we talked about this with Jennifer Hurwitz, just the importance of before you engage in a serious relationship and do the blended family thing, really have some deep and, and um, upfront conversations about what's going to be okay and what's not going to be okay and see if it still makes sense to be together. Yeah. Yeah. In, in mediation, I would want to ask questions about um, yeah, who are the decision makers here? Like how, you know, when this happened, like who's making choices for your kids? Mm-hmm. I think, yeah, it, it, the conflict will just go on and on in this sort of triangle, right. Of, of the three, the triangulation there, if you don't get yeah to the root of it, mm-hmm. I think, yeah, same thing. What you're, what I think you're saying is that, so if you're the person, the person who wrote the question there, so in, the, in that role, uh, sounds like that's mom. Mm-hmm. Um, y- you could start putting a stop to it by, like you said, having your own boundaries of, so if that step parent is trying to engage with you or something, you do, you just don't engage back and you say, right. you know, I'd like to schedule a conversation with, you know, the parent so-and-so, um, or you're, yeah, you're only messaging him. You're only emailing him. I did actually read interestingly, or saw a video actually from, um, a, uh, parenting specialist. Um, she's out of Toronto and she was talking about her own experience that she's only now realized 15 years later that she was emailing with her ex and it was the new partner who was responding. So difficult or was being being difficult, like the new, the email, she said, you know, I always thought like we fought, obviously we broke up and, but he was never that awful. And then these emails were just nasty and rude and it just created so many problems and they were odd, like kind of weird wow. and like, and then she, they only just realized and put two and two together this past year, um, that it was never, he never saw them. And so that's just not to <laughs> make people worry about that, but mm-hmm. it, it could be an issue with email that if, if the new partner is, you know, being very obtrusive and getting in there, then they might be the ones viewing the emails and telling the person how to respond. So sometimes I know I that, that happens a lot. Yeah. Do you? Yeah. Yeah. Right. And so that could be a situation. We've talked so much about things in writing for high conflict, but where you could schedule a face-to-face, but mm-hmm. then follow it up with an email. So That's I would say, right? yeah. yeah. So, you know, you're talking to just that person And you can follow it up with saying, you know, okay, this was a summary of our conversation today and ask them for a response. Mm -hmm. And I would even go so far if it's high conflict to say, you know, if you don't respond and confirm that, yes, this is what we spoke about, then we can't do this again. Like the communication has to be documented. Yeah. Um, that that would be a way to do it. So even if the new partner insists on coming to those meetings, which I have heard of as well, I have some clients in that situation, you still do have that face-to-face opportunity with your co-parent. 
Okay. So this, this brings up, um, something that wasn't submitted, but I have seen with clients time and time again, Mm -hmm. the new partner shows up to parent teacher, um, what's it called? Conferences shows up to sporting events. This is either goes against what they had previously agreed upon. Um, or it was never addressed in the first place. Um, so I would say in that situation, uh, again, this may be something that you want to address. First of all, if you can, in your parenting plan, how will we introduce new partners who will be coming to what and when, um, So, but I mean, also just because it's in the agreement does not mean that it's going to be, uh, followed through with. And in that case, I think it's what's going to be best for your kids. You know, if it's a sporting event and things are hostile because it's actually your ex's new partner who is the most toxic, then maybe you explain to your children, Hey, like, you know, your other parent and I are working through some things right now. So while we're working towards being able to come to your games together, we're going to trade off this summer. Yep. Soccer. Um, Another thing that I've seen clients do is uh, like if the, if it's not their parenting time and they're coming to the game and the child wants to go to them and do a check-in, say hi, a hug or whatever, the other parent makes a big deal about it. Yeah. What the parent who is being, we'll say targeted um, for lack of a better word could do would be to address beforehand with the child. Hey, you know, I know last time when this happened, things were a little bit tense. So why don't, you know, why don't we do something else? You can look up at me in the crowd, you know, we'll, we'll do a little wave or something like that. And that'll be our check-in. You don't have to come and give me a hug if it feels comfortable. That's okay. I know how much you, you know, you love me and your job is to play your soccer and that's it. Yeah. Yep. I love all of those because yeah, that's my first instinct as you're talking through this, like obviously if the, let's just say the toxic person, whoever that is, if it's the new Mm -hmm. partner in this situation is saying things directly to the kids, like, oh, don't go over there. Like, obviously if they're, you know, in being intrusive directly to the children, then that needs to be addressed, Mm -hmm. but there's so much in there is so petty and you can't control it. So if they want to come to the games or they want to sit there and whatever, like let them. And exactly. I, my first instinct would be to say, Hey, we we go out for ice cream after, or we're going to do our thing, like, and not, yeah, make your child's event the battleground where you're gonna sub, sub, hash out for for what? Yeah, I know. And and if you need an outlet, I think that's okay and that's understandable. But just like put that support in place for yourself. You know, even if it's just a close, one close, trusted friend where you need to vent, or maybe you need to journal about it because it is upsetting. It's really hard. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Like, and, and you're right. I think that's a good point. It sucks. Like you don't want to have to go to your child's special events and deal with that. Mm-hmm. But I, yeah, it's sort of like, you can't force people even in a parenting plan. Yeah. It would only be verbal. You can't force someone not to be there unless they've been proven like dangerous, Yeah, you know, <laughs> to the safety yeah. of the child. There isn't, we can't legislate that. So yeah, because this question comes up a lot. I have clients say to me, you know, we agreed that we would, int- you know, not introduce partners within, you know, before six months and we would all meet each other before. 
word on the street is right. This person has moved in. Yes. Yeah. Be called stepmom or stepdad, you know? Um, so yeah. now like, do I address this? And my question to kind of flip back on is, well, what, what are you expecting to happen? What are you hoping to happen? What do you want? Because yeah. if you're wanting your co-parent to admit that they've done wrong, I mean, they've already gone against what they said they were going to do and it's yeah. already happening. So really, is there any point in engaging in that? And as we always say, if the bigger picture is, I really want to limit, you know, the conflict that my kids are exposed to is that is choosing to engage in this and argue about it really, you know, helping you get there. And right. Often it's, it's not, it's not. And, and it's pointless. You're right. Yeah. Because what's going to happen, the, the, your co-parents not going to say you're right. I'll tell them they have to move back out again. Right. <laughs> and they can come back in six months. Right. Like it's not, yeah. it's not happening. Like, so yeah. Exactly. And yeah, I would add honing in. I mean, that's a great question too. What are you expecting? And also like honing in on how, how is it affecting the kids? So if the kids right. are upset, they don't know the person, if the person has done or said some things to the kids, like then that's what we can focus on too. Hey listener, as you likely already know, the divorce journey can bring with it an emotional roller coaster of challenges. Whether you are navigating co-parenting, dealing with a high conflict ex, dating after divorce, or more in this new chapter, it's normal to feel overwhelmed and at times really lonely. That's why I'm excited to tell you about our new sponsor, Circles. Circles is an emotional support platform that connects you with a small group of others who are also going through divorce in a safe online space. Guided by mental health professionals, Circles meet weekly in group video meetings and provide support in a 24-7 group chat. And at $79 a month, that is less than the cost of a single therapy session. You don't have to go through this alone. Support is available. So head over to circlesup.com and use promo code SPLIT2022 to get the first month free and join your circle today. Okay, so I think we just kind of went off and answered quite a few there, but we'll okay. come, I'm going to come back to the actual questions. Yeah. Um, okay, this is common as well. Emotionally manipulating the child to stay on the nightly phone call when our child wants to go. Um, so they you don't want to talk a lot about this one. Yeah. You want to talk yeah. about phone calls? Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, if it's in your agreement and there was another question that was very similar about a younger child. And I think it's more common when the kids are younger, because if you have, you know, a 16 year old, they're going to make their own decision. They want nothing yeah. to do with either of you. They don't care. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. no. But for a younger child, what I would say is, you know, you facilitate the call. So you do the dialing, you do the part that they can't do, and then you give them the phone and that's it. Maybe you're just sitting in the room. You make sure that if they drop the phone, you maybe prop it up. Or if it's an iPad and your child goes off and starts playing and isn't really reacting to their parent, just prop it up. Yep. 
And it's not your job to engage your child in the conversation. I don't know. Like, do you agree with that? Yeah, no, a hundred percent. And they, because it, if we're really, if we're truly doing something that's child led for the benefit of the child, then the child Mm -hmm. is showing they don't need the phone call. Yeah, they're done. Yes. Yeah. So then it's becoming for the benefit of the parent. Mm -hmm. And it's unnatural and sort of upsetting anyway. Like, why do you want to force your, I mean, I get obviously situations if you've been gone for a long time, you're traveling, whatever, you know, you really just want to see them for a minute. Okay, fine. That's different. But yeah, an established pattern. Yeah. It doesn't make sense when you really think about, stop and think about it. And I have seen time and time again now with clients who have younger kids and they, they do this. So they will switch maybe to an iPad and that way they can prop it up with the cover or whatever that with some consistency and doing that and being off camera and not engaging at all, the parent will back off with the mm-hmm. phone calls Yeah, typically, because if that parent is really forcing the call and the child's not engaged, it's not child focused after a consistent amount of time. I really don't believe that it's about their child. They're just trying to get you. They want to have, you know, they want to do a little dig. They want to see what you're up to, who's at your house, what's going on. So I would say with consistency, just do the bare minimum to facilitate that call. And you have done your job you've done. Yeah. And then I know you've talked a lot about a bit on the flip side. You've talked a lot about, I do this with my clients as well. Like just that wider issue of like, do we need to have a scheduled call? Right. Right. Like it, depending, you know, if we're on a shorter two, two, three, or even shorter than that schedule, especially, um, unless the child asks, it can be really intrusive and interrupt their routine and it can be upsetting. Cause then they're wondering like, okay, what's the other parent doing? Well, now I miss them because I've seen them and they were sort of okay doing their own thing. I tend to think that, especially with my parents that are, you know, it's very fresh separation. They, they're not doing it for a manipulative reason. They feel like it's what they're supposed to do to be a good parent. Right. That's a great point. Right. So they're feeling, and even myself, I remember I used to feel like that too. Mm -hmm. And then even feel like, Oh, I should be missing them more. I should check in. I should have done bedtime with them and all this stuff over the phone. But it, that I didn't need to do that. And it wasn't in their best interest. Yeah, that's such a great point. And I think it can be, um, if things have been really contentious, it can be hard to, if you're recognizing, wow, this call is so unnecessary to say to your co-parent, I actually, I think it's best we don't do the call because I think sometimes people are thinking, well, how is this going to be interpreted? Is this going to be twisted later on? If you know we have a court date, do I need to be worried? Um, Good point. Yeah. Yeah. But sometimes it's, you know, it can really help just put you like it's you're you're throwing them a bone in a way you say, hey, you know, I'm not sure if you've noticed this, but when I'm doing the call, it just seems like they're kind of checked out and they're we're really not getting a lot. They're not getting a lot out of it. So I'm okay to. Yeah, I'm going to stop making the call. If you need to get a hold of me, I'll be available between, you know, this time and that time. Yeah. Yeah. Or if they get when they get older right certainly whenever the child asks then yeah for sure yeah okay on to the on to the next Mm -hmm. okay so um sorry i lost my thing here okay yeah this is a good one too they're all good uh Mm -hmm. i am trying to have the parenting plan amended from a 40 60 
time-sharing arrangement to 50-50, but they're resisting and distorting the truth. Okay. So do you want to tackle this one first? Yeah, that's a tricky one because yeah, there's no context of what, yeah, what it might be. Yeah. With, with parenting time, as a, in mediation, I never approach it. We never ever approach it saying like, okay, you know, it's going to be split or who wants sole custody? Like, let's fight about it. Like we <laughs> start, by, like, we don't have this sort of trophy of here's, we're going to now negotiate who can get the most time. Right. right. Like we start from looking again, back child focus. So what's the work schedules? What's school schedule? What's the driving time for the kids? How are the kids doing now? Like, where yeah. are they spending time with extended family? Like, so in this case, that's where I would start is looking at like, why mm-hmm. and what is the motivation there? What was the last part of the question? They're resisting. There, the, the other parent is distorting the truth. And okay. again, they're short, so it's hard to know. Yeah. So what, what is being distorted? <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. So again, with parenting time, when we're looking at parenting time, that is in the best interest of the kids, we really are looking like there would have to be something unsafe or clearly not in the best interest of the kids. So safety absolute is number one, but consistency is that next thing that we look at. Yeah. So if that time is, you know, all over the place, um, and inconsistency also could mean a parent taking the parenting time, but then the kids are going, they're not actually with the parents. So then the kids are going to a babysitter's or, a, you know, yeah. their mom's house or something like that, like the grandparents house. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's another, that's inconsistency because they're not with the parent. So in terms of our topic of when you're dealing with a high conflict situation where you, you can't necessarily discuss things, I think if we're looking at altering a parenting schedule, we want to see a a pattern. There would be a pattern of inconsistency, a pattern of uh, not being safe, um, Mm -hmm. or things like, you know, they're consistently, the kids are, if they're older ones, you know, they're not getting up for school. They're not able to get their schoolwork done there. They're not being fed properly. They're going to bed at midnight. Um, just things that are clearly not in the best interest of the kids. So that's where you want to be having some documentation also show that you have given the parent an opportunity to remedy it and and speak about it. Um, but you can't, not that this person is doing that, but you can't just go in and say, I want more because, yeah, because <laughs> I think I'm better. Right. There, there needs to be reasons mm-hmm. why it is not in the best interest of the child to have equal time with the other parent. Yeah. I have nothing to add to that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Done. We've solved said. your problem. Yes. <laughs> go for it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. On to the next one. Um, Okay. Okay. Flipping back. So the ex is flipping back and forth on what they want and being very vague when we need a clear answer. Okay. So, which is kind of a vague question, but I know, I feel like I know where, where they're going with, with this. Okay. Yeah. Do you want to start? Yeah, I think, um, like, flipping back and forth on what they want. I'm I'm thinking like, is this maybe for your holiday schedule or something to do with time sharing or something to do with school? And this just in my mind comes back to 
start early, plan ahead, have everything documented. Don't have phone calls where there's no evidence of this is what was done. And when it comes down to whatever it is that was previously discussed, if they try to flip-flop last minute, you, it's going to be uncomfortable, but I think you need to hold firm yeah. on what you agreed on. And if they get upset, I mean, if it, if we want to be, obviously we want to be child focused. So if for whatever, I mean, there's going to be a whole variety of, of, of examples here, but for the most part, if you feel like they're flip-flopping to jerk you around and just engage you in this continuous conflict, yeah. plan ahead, document and stick to what was agreed upon. And that's the thing that with this, a lot of this high conflict, this series that we've been doing, that it goes back to that first episode, I think for a lot of people to identify if that is the type of person you're dealing with, because this, I think right here is, is where people, this is the emotional abuse. So if someone truly is one of those high conflict personalities the flip-flopping is a way to get at the other person. It's a way to have to have a reason to communicate. Mm-hmm. It's a way to cause problems, upset you. And so you do need to be able to tell, is this a person who, you know, they do have scheduling issues with work. They are trying their best. Maybe there's been illness or COVID or whatever life happens, or is this really a pattern of yeah what it, what is essentially what we would label course of control, right? So it is abuse. Mm-hmm. Um, and exactly that's where I say when I'm dealing with high conflict clients, they are not really co-parents, right? We are doing that parallel parenting. We try to make a parenting plan that some of those parenting plans are double in length of what a typical one would be to the point where if it wasn't so sad, it would be comical, the amount of yeah. detail, right. That there is. And, um, so like we talked earlier about with, you know, the pickup and drop off, you know, you, you have to confirm before if you don't confirm before, and this is the time of day, you know, that you have to confirm by. And if you don't, there will be no parenting time. I will offer another parenting time. And then this will happen. Um, I think that parents get caught in wanting to be a good person and wanting to be flexible and you can't have flexibility in those situations. And, you think that you're doing better as a parent for your children, but if you do stick to these boundaries, if you're in a high conflict situation, that is going to be better for your kids in the long run, because you are giving them that consistency that we keep talking about, um, which is what they need. But that's why this is such a tangled issue, because I think a lot of times when people are in it, it's a very good-willed person who thinks that they're they're trying to be flexible and they're trying to be kind and they're trying to do be a good co-parent, but they're actually getting taken advantage of. A hundred percent. And I just to take it even one step further, I think it's two things. So what you said first, trying to be flexible and be a good person, be kind, compassionate, all of that. And then when it's really extreme, they feel stuck because the other parent is now using the kids and saying, well, you know, I had planned this, but now your other parent is saying that I can't have you that weekend or, and they're, they're lying or at least, you know, stretching the the truth in, in their favor. Um, and we, this, this next, what I'm about to reference will air the following week, but Brandon had said from parent team that this is a good opportunity to say something like, you know, 
really validate what your child is feeling if they come to you and say, well, my other parents saying this and you're saying that, like, what's the truth to simply say, like, I'm really sorry that you're hearing two different explanations. Mm -hmm. That must be really confusing, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and you're not throwing the other parent under the bus. You're not saying, yeah, they always lie because they're a jerk and they're a narcissist or whatever. I'm going to teach you about narcissists, (laughs) no focusing on how they're feeling. And, you know, I can't, while I can't change that, I want you to know, I will, you know, this is adult stuff. We'll be focusing on, you know, we'll be, we'll figure that out. I'll let you know the details as they come for the schedule, Mm -hmm. but it's hard, easier said than done. I think that piece. Yeah, it's hard. And, and as kids get, and it depends on age, right. As kids get older, you know, then we are, and when I say older, I mean, I don't know, kids, maybe at least 12 and up from there. Sometimes you can offer facts, but again, Mm -hmm. you're not editorializing, right? Right. So yes, there was a weekend booked and it was canceled. Mm -hmm. You know, how do you feel about that? Or how do you, or or even just leaving it at that, letting them voice, like it, it is, like you said, unfortunately it is a fine line. It's hard to know sometimes, but we also don't want to cross into that line of then hiding information and right. right? So it can get a little tricky, but I think for our listeners, you know, it does still boil down to those boundaries, documentation, and, and being able to recognize if you have gotten caught up in this, this cycle of someone like this, that you do have to pull out and get more boundaries in place. Mm-hmm. Yep. 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 Um, okay. This next one, this next one was a three-parter um, okay. <laughs> and it, it's heavy. So here we go. Co-parent has significant mental health issues that they refuse to acknowledge um, how it impacts our co-parent. Sorry. They refuse to acknowledge how it impacts our co-parenting and their parenting. Our kids have strictly supervised visits at, um, right now. They don't under, my ex doesn't understand the need and underplays the past abuse. So first of all, I just want to say, uh, I'm really sorry that you're experiencing this because yeah. this is a lot. And this is, again, it's so hard. Yeah. Um, but it sounds like you've taken all the right steps. I mean, you have supervised visits in place, so that wouldn't have just happened the snap of your fingers. There would have been significant yeah, steps hard to, to get yeah. there. Yeah. And I feel like when you're saying, you know, they refuse to acknowledge these things, I'm wondering like, how much are you engaging with this other person and still trying to get them to see your side of things and how productive is that Mm -hmm. really so would perhaps you know maybe you need another outlet to discuss your disappointments and in in this in your ex and how things have unfolded and their lack of accountability because it's so drain like this is already exhausting I'm sure and it's even more draining to just continually engage in that conversation where you know we say the sky is blue and they say it's green yeah yeah. And, and you are in that role. Uh, if, if there is a parent, you know, one healthy parent and there's yeah, mental health or addiction, whatever it might be, um, you are unfortunately in that role of having to protect your kids and sort of be on guard all the time. Yeah. Um, 
this makes me think of, I did not make this up, but I cannot remember who said it this way to me, but I use it all the time that the, the person, the problematic person or, or problematic behavior, they don't have to agree with the diagnosis, but they need to be on board with a prescription. Oh, so, that. yeah. And I use it all the time. So he, so in this case, let's say she said abuse and then mental health. So let's say it's yeah. mental health. that's causing abuse. So let's say mental health. So he doesn't have to agree. Let's say, mm-hmm. you know, we think you're bipolar. He doesn't ever have to agree that he's bipolar. He can swear up and down. No, I'm not. I'm fine. But if there's been documented issues that are unsafe. And so the prescription is you need to have supervised visits. You need to check in. Um, you know, the kids need to have phones on them. So they like, whatever it's going to be, yeah. you can still say you're not bipolar, but you have to agree to the prescription. Right. Yeah. So same thing. If there's addiction, you, you can't get someone to agree, or maybe, maybe you can't get someone to agree, you know, they're addicted to drugs or alcohol or whatever it is, but again, they can agree to the prescription. So that might be again, sobriety tests, supervised visits, whatever that might be to assure the stakeholders that the kids are safe. And do you see in mediation, once you kind of lay it out that way, that the person who's struggling, will just use that word, their guard comes down a little bit and they're more on board. Yeah. Well, they do because, and to be fair, mediation and your parenting plan is not the place for diagnosing someone. Right. Right. Yeah, like it, it, it actually, when you really think about it, that part is irrelevant. It is just how it's affecting the kids. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we don't need to get a diagnosis or have someone admit to something. Um, you would never really even see that listed in a plan anyway, right? Mm-hmm. You're only going to see that prescription listed and it will be listed for both parents. Right. Right. A lot of them, not a supervised visit, but something like, you know, no alcohol consumption or, you know, stipulations about things like that, that's going to be listed for both of you. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, when you really boil it down, I know how frustrating it can be to see a problem that someone's not acknowledging, but it's really not their acknowledgement that will fix the problem. They have to agree to the solution, the prescription for the problem. Yeah. A hundred percent. And if they're, um, if it's, that person who's continually reaching out to you and saying, come on, like, can't we give up these supervised visits? This is unnecessary. Why are you doing this to me? And the guilt and all of that. Then again, I hate that it's so much of this lands on the person who's shouldering it all. But then I think it's your job to your duty to yourself to protect your own peace, to disengage and engage as minimally as possible. Right. So for supervised visits, if there's an arrangement of supervised visits, which could be with a third, like a family member or a friend, or it could be at um, a center, there's centers for supervised visits you can register with. Um, you also, it does put a lot of stress on that other parent trying to regulate those. So that's where it also could be helpful to get into uh, family therapy or some, and the point to me, so it's great. It's going to help the kids. Obviously that's great that they have a place they can talk about their problems, but then you've got this objective criteria, an expert witness, so to speak. So not an actual court witness, but then if you can find someone who you trust to speak with your kids and and be engaged in family therapy, you can look to them to Mm -hmm. say, okay, like, does it seem appropriate to have these visits? An ideal situation would be if 
the whole family goes. So it would be family therapy or even the, the problematic person was in the loop or something. And then they could be told, right? So again, yeah, you can take, it's not you saying mm-hmm. this mm-hmm. is from me, but that therapist or who's ever worked with the family could say, hey, the kids are saying they're not ready um, or vice versa. They are, let, let, let's start slow. Yeah, totally. And if, like you said, in that second scenario where the problem is improving, there's less of a problem than the parent who's having to receive that. I mean, that could be equally difficult information to receive and absorb, I would yeah. think, right? Especially if there has been abuse in the past and now you have, you're going off of very little trust and your kids mean more than anything to us. So right. Um, you know, you're hearing that from a professional who I would imagine would give you, you know, tips for here's, like you said, here's how we're going to approach this so that their safety is priority number one. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. It just takes you out of the crossfire, right. Of being blamed yeah. that if you've got someone else to kind of make those, make those recommendations. Yeah. Um, okay. So this one, I think this could actually fall under the category of not necessarily full-on high conflict, like actually just Mm -hmm. miscommunication. Um, But I think it's so important that we maybe give some tips because it's common. So this person says, any disagreement over her decision for the kids is immediately me being argumentative. Mm -hmm. So I, I mean, it could be, it could be high conflict, but I think this happens a lot and it's perhaps just because of the approach. Um, and also just, if you're trying to shift out of the, the dynamic of, you know, one parent was doing almost all of the parenting and the other parent now has more say more involvement. And that can be really, that could be a hard shift to yeah. make. So I did a post like uh, probably a couple months ago, um, talking about Gottman's harsh versus soft startups. That would be my recommendation. So to come at it from a soft startup and even opening with a question can be really helpful. I think sometimes, because then again, you're not asserting yourself as I, I know what's best. I'm the better parent. My way is better than what you've been doing. It's, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, have you noticed? Yeah, uh, I love that. I'm yeah. wondering, I feel like that's so just smooth. I'm, I'm just wondering. Yeah. We're just wondering. Yeah. We're just wondering. We're not accusing. <laughs> yeah. Can you tell me more what your thoughts are about this? I yeah. really want to understand more what you were thinking with this plan. Um, something like that. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. It's just opening. Yeah. Like you said, the soft start. And as soon as I heard that you probably were in the same, same uh, wavelength too, I would want a question. I would give a little bit pushback to the asker of the question <laughs> of what are these issues that you need to be discussing? Oh yes. True. Right. Yes, so yes. again, if it is high conflict, like, especially if it's high conflict, but in any co-parenting situation, I think there's still so much that parents think they need to discuss that is not their business of yes. what is happening at the other person's house disagreeable or unacceptable yes yep exactly do that first assess and then reassess assess. yeah <laughs> um okay dad lives out of state 
dictates the days and times for pickup and drop off, never a time commitment, always unreasonable. So I think this goes back to what we, one of those first questions, right? You've yeah. got to firm it up. So the way that you can do that is have some sort of communication, whether it's email or you do schedule a phone call to propose a schedule. So whether it's the next three months, the next six months, that would depend on, on work. I would say even if the person's work schedule is up and down, I have people with the most erratic work schedules, there's still some type of consistency that you can maintain. So mm -hmm. that's what you need to look at. Um, you would both agree to that schedule for, let's say it's three months, you would agree to that schedule. Yes, this looks good to me. I accept this. And then if it's a matter of inconsistency, you would then need to confirm before each of your parenting times. Okay. After that three months, maybe even sooner, if it's really bad, if consistently that parenting time has not been taken, then you forego it. You don't continue to be offered that time. So the mm -hmm. next time that scheduled time comes around, if you only showed up to half of those parenting times, well, now you get half. So that's really what that would look like. Now, I understand that that is more difficult if it's mandated shared parenting, but that's essentially the structure and how we would address it, whether you can do that individually with the person, whether it needs to be mediation or if you would need to take file a motion. Mm -hmm. But yeah. that can be the process for the communication. I, and I, I, I love that plan. I think it's great. I, I think sometimes where people go wrong is it's just, it's so hard to see our kids struggling and yes. upset and it's stressful and that flight fray or freeze, yep. uh, you know, kicks in and we want to just act immediately. We want like, we want to stop the bleeding, but this is, it's not a sprint. Um, yeah, it's, it's a long triathlon. Mm -hmm. I think that takes time. So yeah, if you can get some support for yourself along the way, I think that's huge. And like we talked about a couple um, questions ago, I think if you're able to get some support for your children, like their own therapist, then at least, you know, in those moments where it's really difficult and you don't have enough evidence yet to make a move that everyone's supported to the in the best way possible. Yep. Right now. Yep, exactly. And that's where those, and again, yes, very high conflict. You might not be able to do this, but like you were saying, those, the questions, sometimes people, they'll make these scheduling changes, but they don't think about how that does affect your kids. Right. So, you know, I've noticed that the kids expect you to be coming. And then when you don't, you know, it, it is upsetting to them. Like, what do you think we could do about that? How do you think we could change the schedule around to make it work better? I mean, that's where all those other questions come up in mediation that you also may be trying to fit a square peg in a round hole in terms of a schedule that really doesn't work or is not realistic. Yeah. And so it does need to be changed and that other parent may be appreciative of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that's where the line is again, where it could be very contentious early on just because both people are scared and not wanting to miss time with their kids, which is completely understandable. So they're not acting as their best selves, but they really do just, they're trying to be good parents and they feel bad about their family restructuring versus the person who is just all or nothing, doesn't care about the kids, you know, after a consistent period of time, seeing what's not best for them, they're still just holding on to that wanting to hold on to that schedule. It's yeah, you will find that out 
in time. Yep, exactly. Yep, time. So, okay, I think this is probably the last one here. Um, there were a couple like this, but they all, so I'm just going to say, like, put it under one umbrella. Mm-hmm. So basically, it's a situation where when we, you know, when we talk about disagreeable versus unacceptable, it's not, we wouldn't say straight up abuse, but it's very disruptive. So action should be taken, um, but it can be kind of tricky to navigate that. So an example might be homework is always turned in late or missed Mm -hmm. during the other parent's parenting time. Um, One of the examples that was used had to do with um, a food allergy and the other parent didn't didn't believe it, it was real. So I don't know what you would say here, but I I think we've talked about this before. And what we said was in any situation where this is possible, use a neutral third party to explain, you know, what is best and what can be done. So in the case of homework, meeting with the teacher um, and, and going from there. And again, you know, make sure, like I always ask, like we need to know the context, right? So yeah, be reasonable yeah. that sometimes, you know, a parent is ready for a fight. And so homework might be late a couple of times, but there's maybe extent, maybe it is the child who mm-hmm. maybe was told or the other parent, you know, they were told to go to bed and they thought it was lights out, but the kid was the one who kept the lights on and the other parent wasn't aware of it. So you know, we're jumping down the throat of the parent and saying it's their fault when really, you know, we've got a situation that is fixable. Mm-hmm. I think it does come down to a lot of information sometimes because there's very few parents who would know that their child's health is at risk and still continue to, you know, ignore that or would know that they're failing in school and would continue to say it's totally fine. Right. So there's, right. There's, there's a piece there of information missing usually. Mm-hmm. Um, but absolutely. Yeah. After there's maybe get to the bottom of what is the actual story here? Um, and what's actually yeah. going on, uh, then yeah. Having just that objective criteria to show, Hey, here's the report card. What are we going to yes. do about this? Yeah. Yes. The food I- allergy one is really common. A lot of people bring that up. The food out so mm-hmm. like something like what like like uh like gluten and they don't they want the kid to have a gluten-free diet yeah things or, like things that are I don't know what to call it things that are maybe not like firmly diagnosed um mm-hmm. or like one parent gives the child supplements or yeah it doesn't allow gluten or is really, you know, feeds organic food and is very strict about sugar intake where the other person, the other parent isn't. Um, and those can be tricky, but again, I think it does come down to what is disagreeable and what's unacceptable. Like as unfortunate as you may find it, if the other parent wants to feed that child sugar, unless there's some sort of, yeah, allergy or reaction. I know. And I feel much like about it. Yeah, you can't do much about it aside from use it as a really good problem solving learning opportunity for your child. For the kids. So, I mean, if it is a, I mean, I don't know about the gluten one, but let's just use the candy, for example. I think that's pretty common. 
I mean, it's an opportunity to teach moderation and balance to your kids and just talking about cause and effect. So, you know, if they're complaining that they have a tummy ache and maybe going over it and you don't, you don't have to throw the other parent under the bus. You can simply say, well, what did you eat? How did that make you feel? Okay. What might be a better option next time? Yep. Ask for an apple. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Yeah. You're teaching them. And yeah. So I think like everything sort of been our theme today that again, a lot of these, if we're dealing with what we've sort of just labeled a more typical personality, we can talk these out, we can discuss them, we can have back and forth. But when we're dealing with a high conflict person who's creating these issues, it is about minimizing, putting boundaries in place, putting systems in place. And I think that recognition that that flexibility, at least for a time, mm-hmm. it is not possible. Yeah. So really quick, before we wrap up, um, I just, we haven't said this in forever. And I saw it the other day when I was doing some editing and thought I should bring it back up, but there is an option. I think it's only on Spotify. So sorry, if you're listening on iTunes, go over to Spotify, but there's a spot where you can leave um, a voice message. So if you have a question um, about one of our other episodes or another topic completely, and you follow us on Instagram and we're not really talking about it, but you'd love to hear our take on the show, leave us a voice message. If that feels kind of weird, you can send us an email as well. I include links to both of us in the show notes because we we love this. Like we said at the beginning, yeah. this is what, you know, our favorite thing to do here on the podcast. So yeah. Yeah. We love to hear from people. Yeah. It's always nice. I do get an email from time to time and then also clients will sometimes say, oh, I listened to this. Here's what I thought. And yeah, it is <laughs> nice to get that live feedback. Totally. Okay. Until next time. Thank you. Bye. Bye.